From the studios of Advancing Vibrant Communities in Modesto, California, this is Lighthouse Live Radio on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. And good evening to you, wherever you may be. Pastor Mike Douglas here. Welcome to Lighthouse Live. Great to have you with us, wherever you are around the world, even in places we can't pronounce. Uh, great to have you with us uh, here on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Our uh, co-host and producer, Elaine Harlan, with us, along with our prayer intercessor, the inimitable Mr. Owl, mm-hmm. Al Ramsey, with us as well. And uh, tonight we're taking a look at uh, something that really hits home. To a lot of folks, uh, not only here in California, but around, around the country and even around the world. And we're going to be talking about some serious stuff tonight. And uh, great to have uh, some uh, great support from the people who will be uh, here tonight and, and helping us right. understand some of these issues a little better. Before we do that, though, let's check in with our friends from Voice of the Martyrs. What will people think when they hear that I'm a Jesus freak? Hey, what's up? This is Toby Mack with the Jesus Freak Salute from the Voice of the Martyrs. On April 21, A.D. 64, Mark preached his last sermon. This gospel writer, known as John Mark, was a faithful companion to early church leaders such as Peter, Paul, and Barnabas. Later, settling in Alexandria, he often found himself at odds with local heathen priests. They took this day to incite a rebellion, storm the church, and drag Mark through the streets with ropes and hooks until he bled to death. This early church martyr left a legacy of service learned from Jesus himself. Remember, it was Mark who wrote, For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. For more, go online to persecution.com. And back with you live here on Lighthouse Live. Uh, You know, Elaine had the opportunity this past week to accompany uh, my son on the infamous eighth grade tour of Washington, D.C. And, uh, you know, being with eighth graders for a whole week, 24-7, is... uh, an it's education. a humbling experience in some ways, an education. <laughs> and in others, it's uh, it's an education. Yeah. But uh, you know what? What really uh, hits you as as you're walking on the streets where Washington and mm. Jefferson walked, and Thomas sitting in the church mm. where Thomas Paine gave his speech. You know, give me liberty or or give me death. Talking about the sacrifices there. You know, in reference to John Mark. You know, we we really are are so blessed today that. Uh, uh, the the persecution that has hit a lot of uh, Christian eras uh, throughout the centuries has not really hit us, mm-hmm. and in terms of our freedoms, so many sacrifices were were made during the Revolutionary War and again during the Civil War uh, to uh, to preserve those freedoms. And as you're walking, you know those battlefields, it really hits home. You know the 
tremendous passion people had for protecting freedoms and for justice. You know, we'll be touching on issues of, of justice tonight as, as well. And it really is a sobering thing because I think we can become a little bit lackadaisical and, and take that stuff for granted. So anyway, it's a great reminder. Uh, I don't necessarily, uh, you know, recommend doing it with eighth graders for a week, but, uh, which was a wonderful thing, by the way. It was a great eighth grade class. We had, we had a lot of fun, but, uh, it, you know, it does test your, your metal sometimes. But just to walk those streets and experience that was that. In fact, we sat in the church where, where Payne gave that speech and they had a, a drama in there and they had George Washington and Thomas Payne and, and other people who were part of that convention sitting amongst the audience making their speeches. You know, the hair kind of stood up on the back of my neck because it was very realistic, you know, like you were right you were uh, right there. And, uh, wow, you know, we're, we're, we're to be thankful for the many freedoms that we have. But also I think we uh, also have the uh, responsibility to protect those and, uh, and not take those for granted. And an organization that helps us do that, the Pacific Justice Institute. Let's check in with them. It's time for The Legal Edge, a look at your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. And now, with a look at what's happening on the legal front, the president of the Pacific Justice Institute, Brad Dacus. With springtime upon us, Pacific Justice Institute is excited to announce a brand new project to impact graduating high school seniors. Our baccalaureate project gives student clubs and churches the legal backing they need to resurrect the old tradition of hosting faith-filled services to commemorate students' accomplishments. At a key transition point in students' lives, people of faith can and should be extra vigilant to share the message of hope and true success. To find out how you can participate in the baccalaureate project at your school, visit www.pji.org for more details. To find out more about The Legal Edge, call 916-857-6900 or log on at pacificjustice.org. <laughs> Do you remember when baccalaureate was not a big deal? <laughs> you know, you showed up. It was the Sunday before graduation, but uh, time, times have changed. And, uh, again, Pacific Justice Institute dedicated to at least preserving that freedom if, if students would like to uh, take advantage of that. Um, by the way, friends, uh, tomorrow morning, if you're listening live tonight on uh, Monday, March, and how did we get to be March 30th? I don't know. I mean, I'm oh, still scary. stuck back in August. What's yeah. with March? Anyway, <laughs> April's upon us. Uh, if you're listening tonight live on March uh, 30th, Monday night, tomorrow morning, Tuesday, March 31st, a special seminar for uh, nonprofit leaders and pastors, faith-based ministry leaders. Uh, it's called the State Budget what happened, where we're going, and how it affects our communities. That's a loaded question right there. <laughs> yeah, I'm getting nods uh, here at the end of the table. Uh, you know, the history, the consequences, what are we going to do now? California Budget Project has a, a track record for providing a nonpartisan look at uh, the state budget and how it came to be, uh, what, uh, what, what the consequences are going to be for us this year. And then at the end of the seminar, it's only 90 minutes, at the end of that we'll be talking about brainstorming what can we do as community servants uh, to, uh, to weather this storm and, uh, and uh, make 
lemonade out of lemons, uh, basically, in, in many ways. That's tomorrow morning, Tuesday, March 31st, from 7 a.m. to 8.30 a.m. It is at First Baptist Church in Modesto. That's at 12th and M. If you know where the family pavilion is, it is just directly south of that in the original buildings where the office is now. The original uh, chapel is there at 12th and M. And... Um, we are going to be right there. Feel free to, to come and join us. We'd love to have you with us. That's from 7 to 8.30 a.m., First Baptist Church, 12th and M., uh, at uh, in Modesto, and we'd give you the phone number to call, but the lines are closed for the night. <laughs> so just show up. There you go. <laughs> right. We'll let you in. There you go. All right. Let's take a quick look at the Volunteer Center of the United Way's Lend a Hand List. March of Dimes, March for Babies, is a national effort to raise dollars to support the March of Dimes mission of preventing birth defects and infant mortality through research, education, community services, and advocacy. They're expecting about 1,000 individuals and business teams uh, to participate in these events in the Central Valley on Saturday, April 25th at Gorseda Park in Modesto, Saturday, May 2nd at uh, Galley Family Park in Tracy, and Saturday, May 16th at Weber Point Event Center in Stockton. Volunteers are needed at all of the events to help with setup, cleanup, registration, and to act as human sign guides and to serve refreshments uh, from 6 a.m. to 1 p.m. So this would be a great time to turn out and help for that. Uh, lots of walking going on. I'm sure you did lots of walking while you were in Washington. No, you no know, I thought of taking a pedometer with me. And you didn't? I forgot. Oh, man, that would be great. But uh, that was a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of think, walking. But well, well worth the effort. You yeah. bet. Well, the Multiple Sclerosis Society of Northern California, WalkMS, is going to take place Saturday, April 25th at Downey Community Park in Modesto. Uh, thousands of pe- people walk across the county participating in 600 walks with one destination, and that's a world free of MS. Volunteers age 15 years and older needed to help out with, again, setup and decorations, uh, greeting participants, uh, registration, breakfast, lunch, traffic control, uh, walker motivation along the route, uh, prize distribution and site breakdown. And so uh, just uh, walk your little shoes off out there with MS, and that would be a great time to get out and meet people and just kind of make those kinds of connections. Oak Valley Hospital has needs of volunteers. Uh, to That's assist. a great place. Oh, you bet it is. I am very familiar with the ER. You are at Oak Valley Hospital. You didn't uh, do any of those blow up the mannequin kind of things. No, there. no, okay, okay. no. I didn't burst any mannequins' there. lungs <laughs> right. there. But I'm glad you didn't. My, do that. my son, when he was small, had you know he's got like, like this titanium head. Hmm. You know, and like, like when he was small, he we had this coffee table, and no matter how much padding you put around, he'd find the edge that was un, you know exposed, and bam, you know. Out. And he'd get these huge, big, monstrous, you know, lumps on his head. And and my wife's a nurse, and when she says it's time to go to the hospital, you know, it's serious. And that little guy, I'm telling you, we finally figured it out. Many times we took him to the ER. We got him set up. We got the insurance papers signed, the whole thing. And by the time we got to see the doctor, the kid was playing on the equipment, and it was all better. So we finally figured out. We'll just go and sit in the ER 
will not bother signing in, and he gets better, you know. So, but anyway, he he and I spent many 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 times in the ER. That's a great hospital. Were you trying to go somewhere? I think everybody should go there now and volunteer. It's a great place to be because they don't. It's not that big. Okay, smaller now. Yeah, if you're in Modesto, it's Doctors Hospital or Memorial. Anyway, Oak Valley does. Don't jam my ER. (laughs) Not in my backyard, right? Not on your watch. Not on my. <laughs> but Oak Valley does seriously need volunteers. Uh, junior volunteers, ages 14 to 17, yeah, and recruit adult. recruit my son right out of the ER. <laughs> there you go. Little job. Come here, little right guy. <laughs> and adult volunteers, 18 years and older, needed to help the nursing staff uh, take care of Pastor Mike. But anyway, you know. <laughs> no, that's the <laughs> mental ward there, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> to help provide and That's care. That's a different hospital. <laughs> a different hospital. Are you going to get through this yet? <laughs> aren't you? Right. Uh, to serve meals and snacks and deliver mail and flowers to uh, patients and to discharge uh, patients by wheelchair. <laughs> to greet and direct patients and information reception desks and stuff like that. Uh, board leadership also and mailing assistance. You know, this was a 30 second spot really when was, we started. You know what? <laughs> Volunteers must pass a background check, which. <laughs> Might not be a bad idea here. TB clearance and a physical and attend an orientation training. Oak Valley Hospital uh, committed to providing our communities with quality health care services with compassion, pride, and excellence. And it you know, is, seriously, a it great It truly is, hospital. and we really send uh, a lot of our volunteers there. You know, Barbara Borbick can answer any questions that you have on the Lend Hand list here. And she's reachable at 209-524-1307, extension 113. She also has email, and she loves it, bborba at uastand.org. Or you can call us with any questions. Uh, Pastor Mike from his mental ward can answer that for you at 209 544 And, you know, tax time is approaching very uh, quickly, drawing very near. And to help those who cannot do it for themselves, low-income families, perhaps you can help translate, please call Cindy Ray. She's uh, taking uh, those volunteers right now at 209-341-2988. Again, call Cindy Ray, 209-341-2988, and uh, she'll be glad to hear from you. And also from our ABC website, our daily update page, uh, www.vibrantcommunities.org. Everything from giving rides to medical appointments to mowing lawns and whacking weeds. And if that doesn't float your boat, then maybe donating a bed, a dresser, or fixing someone's sprinkler head might be your thing. Uh, You can check out our daily update uh, page and, and find something to to do to just reach out in the name of Jesus and help someone. You talk about the IRS, <laughs> the bus, the, the tour bus was going through Washington, right? And and the guide says, and over here is an office of the IRS, and all the adults on the bus go, boo! <laughs> Very patriotic. <laughs> Taxation without representation. Have you seen? It? They have license plates in Washington D.C. That, that they actually uh, put out legally a couple of years ago that said taxation without representation because of the uh, spurious yeah. ta- yeah it's, it's uh, it was quite quite nice to see actually it's a little spirit there they didn't keep you there no, yeah. no. they may find me now since the broadcast goes worldwide <laughs> they'll, they'll find me eventually I'm yeah. looking for you at that hospital I'm sure. we spoke, yeah. we spoke about <laughs>
Well, we want to give a very warm welcome to Lighthouse Live, two very busy ladies in our community, Executive Director of Community Housing Shelter Services in Stanislaw County, Karen Cosner, and Assistant Director Sophie Pettigrove. We want to welcome you, thank you. ladies, thank you. and thank you for the many referrals that we often get here uh, at ABC from your agency. Karen, uh, you want to tell us about your service and perhaps what you do uh, there, some of your personal history, a little background maybe, and and uh, why you are touched to help out in the way that you do there in that regard. I would love to. Um, <clears throat> I've been working in uh, in nonprofit in the nonprofit world for about 25 years, and um, I was with Interfaith Ministries for 13 Yay. as director, and left there um, to look do some other things for a while, uh, was in a, a retail business helping out for a year and really missed the nonprofit. So I went back into another agency and ended up back at Interfaith for a few years and then um, found myself at, at Community Housing and Shelter Services. And I just uh, feel my life has kind of um, taken a path of um, the area of nonprofits, and I feel really um, dedicated to helping people in need and have done that over, you know, in various ways throughout my life. But Community Housing and Shelter Services is a HUD-certified housing counseling agency that has been providing services for over 28 years. Um, the short answer is we provide assistance to homeless individuals and families, low to moderate income renters, homeowners and home buyers and we've just added the home buy home buyer uh, counseling we do foreclosure mitigation counseling and we also uh, manage Laura's house which is a clean and sober living yes, environment yes. for uh, 16 women and their children and then we also have a I'm sorry my um Voices trying to there. leave me. And we also have a uh, transitional house for um, graduates of clean and sober facilities can move into this um, group living setting. Um, many of them are just afraid to move out on their own back into the neighborhood. So that's an area that um, the clean and sober community is kind of realizing it is a big need. But um, most of our, all of our programs really are geared, geared towards families and children because we really feel like the kids are, are the real victims um, in this economy and the, you know, things that are going on. So. You know, this has been such a big need uh, before we got into right. the economic uh, issues we're in today and all of the foreclosures and, and all of that. When times are good, there's still a, a tremendous need. For uh, for your services, and I'm just wondering, can you give us a little bit of history on this? Uh, what uh, what what prompted the creation of uh, of this organization? And um, I, I I think one of the questions that people have is, well, you know, this is probably doesn't apply to me. You know, I may not be able to talk a little bit about uh, you know how reachable um, this organiz organization is to people who may have a need. Well, it, it actually it started 28 years ago and was a program under Salvation Army. Mm -hmm. And they really they started out providing motel vouchers to families with children because it, even in those days, um, the gospel mission was the shelter, but 
women and children were separated from the men. So they really, they, they were really concerned with keeping families together. So that was really their focus in the beginning was the motel vouchers doing housing counseling to then move families to finding permanent housing. But, um, then about 11 years um, after that, or in 1991, they broke off and made their own nonprofit and pulled away mm-hmm. from uh, Salvation Army. And then um, it was a few years after that that they finally realized that emergency shelter isn't the answer. And we know that, you know, um, nowadays that you, you hear rapid, re- rapid rehousing is one of the buzzwords, trying to get families, individuals, anybody who's homeless into housing as quickly as possible and then providing whatever services they need after they're in the housing. So um, that's really how it it became, how it started. And um, we've really seen that we need to provide as much housing counseling as we can. We have um, funding for rental assistance, deposit assistance if somebody is has gotten a three-day notice. Um, they can, if they qualify, we can help with utilities sometimes, or but with uh, their rent to keep them in the housing, assuming that help that month will allow them to continue on. We're not going to just give them money this month and next month they're going to be homeless. The um, the other issue for us with our shelter is that we're not just an emergency shelter. We're really there for families who have some kind of income that we can move into permanent housing. So we counsel them. We have rental um, search workshops, housing search workshops, budget workshops that we require all our families to go through because many of them, they don't know how to do a budget. They get into some real credit And that is problems. so important, isn't yeah. it? Yes. And now even with our home ownership, we started out, it's kind of a long story, but getting into asked, we were asked to apply for some foreclosure counseling funding, and we hadn't done it, and there was really nobody in this county doing it last year, and we were like the second highest foreclosure county in the whole United States. Um, and a lot of that was due to families not understanding credit, not understanding what home ownership meant, not realizing what tech that you had to pay taxes and all these other things, you know, in order to own a home. So money management is really a key to the success, I think, of people finding and keeping housing. And so those education services are really important. You bet. We get so many calls here uh, at ABC, people who can't pay their utility bills. They've already been shut off, uh, you know, whatever the reason. And, uh you know, it's good to know that those things are, are are available. Well, and I think I think I said utilities. We we really don't help specifically with utility bills, but sometimes if we're able to help a family with rental assistance or deposit, the if they have a rear arrears in their utility bills, we might have some funding for that. What about so. Section Eight, Karen? Can you explain Section Eight and what? Well, Section 8 is um, subsidized housing that uh, individuals have to apply for, and um, the Housing Authority of Stanislaus County has all the Section 8 housing. So we certainly refer families when they come in. Our case managers work with them to see what other programs we can refer them to, make sure they've gotten everything they're eligible for 
and we work with a lot of different uh, agencies and groups around the community um, to provide, you know, the services that those families so desperately need. So many programs in our community, and people qualify for this or that, or they don't, but they have to apply for those things and see what things that they do. Now, Sophie has been assistant director for you for something like five years. Is that right? Oh, no. No, no. No, no. No. Actually, I was offered a position with community housing uh, in March. Oh, okay. So of this year. So I'm closing out my first month. <laughs> ah, ah, so where right. were you before that? Somewhere five years came. Um, well, I, I have about, uh, well, I went to work in, in services in 1980 when I was two. And I left <laughs> in 2005. <laughs> okay, um, I knew there was a five in there somewhere. <laughs> I don't do numbers. <laughs> well, um, and so I retired from, from that career in 2005 um, with the dream of opening up a little, a little shop here in Modesto um, that, that would provide um, a very special place for people to go and and just be and enjoy um, the experience of shopping. It's just a little gift shop. And it was called Act of Kindness. And Act of Kindness is now only open one day a week because we are closing it out. We've been we've been in business for eight years, but Act of Kindness actually uh, experienced a loss in January and uh, or in November and December of last year or so. It's not going to recover from that loss, so we're going to go ahead and and uh, close it up. I, I think I'm meant to do something different anyway at this point. So, uh, I I found, I I got a job offer and I took it. <laughs> Actually, she volunteered at a fundraiser to be a board member, and after the first board meeting, at this, I think it was a. Was it the first or the second board meeting? Came with this whole plan for um, <laughs> PR and fundraising, and I said, "You're hired." <laughs> I, I keep doing that, and then we have to find new board members. <laughs> I need to talk to, um, you know, the um, volunteer center and get my name in for board members. I think. You, you know, Sophie, I talked to a businesswoman this morning, and she says, "So you're a nonprofit?" I said, "Yes." Yeah. She says, "Well." <laughs> I am, but it didn't start out that way. <laughs> well, actually, after after the theft took place, uh, my mm. business partner and I um, just kind of look at each other and just go, I don't know what's going on. Mm. We actually do better being open one day a week for wow. five hours. Mm. than, and, and so I'm thinking, okay, then I'm taking the right path. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. But when I did, I, I went to a dinner, a fundraiser, and then from there I was on the board, and I got very excited about the p- possibilities and the potential that this little agency, it's a little agency, mm-hmm. um, has. And being in services for 25 years, I, I wasn't really that familiar with them. I thought, well, these people have to get the word out. They're doing good work, and we have to know about them. We need to raise money, right? So I was part-time as a fundraiser and uh, came up with this idea called The Perfect Day. I said, I know how we can raise funds. We'll ask the children. We'll ask the children what it's like to have a perfect day. What is the what what is the perfect day to them? You know, a house, their own bed, their own room, their own toys, mm. consistent friends, breakfast in the morning. Right? Having your friends come over and spend the night. Mm-hmm. Having some place to play that's safe. So, I mean, I know that a lot of us take that for granted. But when you see some of the children that come into community housing and shelter services with their parents, they don't have shoes or getting a, a new shirt or a, a pair of breeches is so exciting for them or having a coloring book. Mm-hmm. 
And I got to see that after 25 years in social services, I had more of an education working 16 hours a week at this little agency in the first month than I did in 25 years. And I will tell you, I served as a social worker, an eligibility worker. I mean, I, I did a lot of stuff. And boy, oh boy, I count my blessings twice now. Mm-hmm. Um, the other the other thing I realized when I went to work there was that I had a lot of preconceived notions about homelessness, that homelessness was because people made wrong choices, bad choices, you know, but it's maybe some of that happens. Some of that is occurring, but what we started to do was collect the people's stories and I actually transcribed them in this little booklet. It was stories about people who are homeless and what they look like. I, there's one fellow that says, I'm, I'm a homeless veteran, and I'm also called a street person. And he was a single dad of a 12-year-old on kidney dialysis. Mm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah, there's a, there's a Ph.D. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Right. Yeah. Around, around the streets. Dad. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So you're right. You can't take a broad brush and typecast everyone. And I think one of the important things that we're talking about is trying to keep the family unit together, if at all possible. And, again, some of the things that we take for granted give children a tremendous amount of security, or if that's disrupted, can also create and give them a sense of not belonging anywhere. In a, in a sense of uh, j- just being uh, out, out at sea without a, without a life raft. That's right. And those, some of those scars, uh, you know, uh, uh, take a lifetime to deal with. Yeah, in fact, um, we found an article uh, January 8th of this year, an issue from the Center on Budget and Policy Issues, and they um, had new in- data that indicated that, that, of course, we know the number of Homeless families with children has climbed in the recent months and is continuing to increase. And um, many more people now with all the foreclosures and everything and loss of jobs will probably fall into severe poverty and be at risk of homelessness. And studies show that homeless children are more likely to be victims of physical or sexual abuse, Mm -hmm. to be diagnosed with mental illness, to suffer from behavioral or emotional problems, to exhibit educational disabilities, experience emotional stress, um, you know, from stemming from the separation of parents, inadequate housing, frequent moves. So it's just, you know, these things that happen to these kids in their childhood will cause us as taxpayers a vast amount of of greater um, probably taxes and everything else later. I don't even want to talk about that because the 15th isn't very far away. Anyway... And so then there's going to be a higher adult incidence of mental illness, attempted suicide, criminal activity, victimization. I mean, it's just you don't think about what the, you know, we always talk um, seeds that are planted. I know in our church we talk about that a lot Mm -hmm. as Christians. Mm -hmm. We're planting seeds, but we're also planting some seeds of destruction in the lives of kids that will carry on through them into their adult lives. And so it's just so important that we help these families and these kids. Oh, well, thank you for sharing that. We've got so much more. You know, the group uh, building 429 with their song entitled Always sings for you now, and, and we're going to return with lots more on Lighthouse Life. 
Yeah. 
Building 429 in the song Always on Lighthouse Live with Pastor Mike, Elaine, Karen Costner, and Sophie Pettigrove. And we're just uh, so pleased to have you as guests tonight as we spotlight the community housing shelter program here in Stanislaw County. And uh, thank you for being with us. And we want to thank you listening wherever you happen to be listening tonight and just hope that uh, the housing situation and you know, the budget crunch that we're all feeling. And this is a global thing. We think of it as a local thing, but actually it is a a global thing. And uh, how is the uh, present economic situation, Karen? Uh, How is that shaping up? We were talking a little bit about funding during the the song. How is that affecting uh, the community housing situation? Well, we're, you know, we're beginning to see, uh, we've seen, People were beginning to see more people losing their jobs, losing their housing. Um, last year, when we really first started going into the whole homeownership and foreclosure um, counseling area and considered adding it to our programs, um, most of the people losing their houses were the people that had maybe made some bad choices and tried to get into houses that were beyond their means and um you know, you've heard about all the, the lending practices and stuff that happened. But now this year, we're beginning to see business owners losing their businesses. And now they're losing their houses. So it's it's a whole, it's a higher level of income, people that are being affected. And so, you know, most of us think, well, we know we're maybe only a paycheck or two away from being homeless. But right. it gets pretty scary when you drive down the street and there's a lot more businesses closed and people out of work and uh, I would venture that most families have somebody in their family that's out of work I know I have four sons and one of those you know was has lost his job so it, it's it affects us all and I think it behooves us all to to reach out and help each other and do what we can to to help all of us that are that could be there at Anytime. During the break, we were talking about the fact that once you have helped a family, there's follow-up that is critically needed so that they're not just out there uh, cast out by themselves and and maybe prone to make the same uh, choice, counterproductive choices that it made before. Talk a little bit about that uh, follow-up time, the value of it, and, and what you can do for families during that period. Well, as soon as a family comes in, whether they're looking for um, emergency shelter or um, looking for rental help with rent, you know, to find a rental, we have lists um, that we put out weekly that they can come in and get to see what rentals are available. Um, We put them, they get um, assigned to a housing counselor and we ask them to um, attend a money management class and a housing search class. And then if they're eligible and they find a rental, um, we have a specialist that works with them to make sure they're eligible and everything's in place. We have to check the the rentals to make sure they're owned by who says they're owned so that we're not getting scammed mm-hmm. by everybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then um, once they, they get into a rental, we offer them up to a year. Uh, we offer them our um, home-based case management program where a housing counselor can go out to their home and meet with them once a month for up to a year to work on other issues or to see maybe they're, you know, they have to 
put together an action plan when they come to us and see what maybe they want to go back to college and what steps have they taken towards that? Are they having pro- having problems with childcare? Have they applied for all the other programs they might be? Maybe they have children and they need to get on the WIC program or whatever. You know that that counselor works with them to make sure that all those things that they need have happened, and they're kind of checking in with them, like you know, used to make sure your kids brush their teeth type thing. <laughs> Because if you're out there alone, you're a single mom, and you've got a couple kids, and you're trying to go back to school and get the kids to school and get everything done, it's hard um, to do it on your own. And so we need, you know, we need to help them to be a, a helping hand to guide them along. And um, and many of the families that we've helped, and I know you've gotten calls from our case managers Absolutely. for yes. furniture. They uh-huh. move into a, an apartment. They don't have any furniture and things like that. So. It's just really key, and we work with a lot of other um, agencies, too, to make sure that we try to meet the needs so that they can be successful Mm -hmm. and not fall back into that whole homeless trap again. You know, Karen, I was just thinking about the partnership that we share, you know, the referrals between the agencies, because you refer people to us, we refer people to you sometimes, and that's just the way that it works, and Sophie's nodding her head as well, because you see the need, and you send them to us uh, for furniture, and and, and vice versa, and and that's the way it works, and you see the people, uh, you see their lives change, and I know that you have stories. Uh, Sophie, you have brought some pictures, and even though our Just listeners... Just hold it right up to the microphone even so though our listeners, <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> our listeners cannot see these pictures. These pictures tell mm. a story, and you were, were sharing some magnificent stories before we went on the air today. Would you just yes, please... Yes, I will, Elaine. Thank uh, you. Sh- yes. Um, the, the idea, I was starting to say, the reason we even have these pictures is because we were trying to come up with a way where we could raise funding dollars in, in a different way that could be appreciated, that, that is refreshing. So we did go out to the children. And the pictures that you see here are drawn by children who had come in with their parents to do business, and the children had nothing to do. So they had typing paper and crayons. And you'll see one picture here where a little seven-year-old has drawn a face repeatedly mm-hmm. with shoulder-length hair and bangs, and Can that's the picture it? of his mom. Can you see it? That's my- and the the picture itself is just there's six there's five faces of his mom on this picture, and there's a lot of scribbling, but there's the word hope, mom, hope, 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 mom, mm-hmm. in different colors, mm-hmm. and. So I framed it. We we framed it and matted it, and we, they were for sale. Um, the the other picture was done by a little boy. This is the one that just intrigues me. The little boy drew, and he only used one color. He used red. He drew a house. He drew something that looks like a carport. And on the left-hand side, he drew a mom and a dad and several siblings. And the caption says, the family together again. Now, on the surface, it's a sweet little drawing. It's all done in red. It's, it's very, I mean, it's touching. Now, this little boy, this little seven-year-old, was at a crossroads when he drew this picture because on the back of this picture, uh, 
it was discovered that he had done gang tagging. Mm. So on one side of this picture, you'll see this beautiful little depiction of what his idea of a perfect day is, and on the back there's gang tagging. So tell me this youngster is not in a place where he could just be snapped up and sent on either path. Um, there was a little boy who drew a picture and it said, My Perfect Day. And all it had was, uh, it had two flowers, the sun, lots of blue clouds, and he has a little cat in this picture. And it has, I heart Buddy. And Buddy is his cat that became homeless when he became homeless. Yeah, <laughs> Buddy had to be taken to the shelter because when they didn't have a home, there was no place to take Buddy. Wow. So we all get very teary. I still can't talk about that. <laughs> I, and there, was, there was a picture of a drawing of a house that had this square box coming out of the side of the house. And I looked at that, and I could not figure out what that was. And, um, but when we asked the child... That blue box was the air conditioner. Well, you know, a lot of kids of the children that are in like motels and stuff that have the, the older ones that sure. don't have central airs, their air conditioning is that box mm-hmm. on the side of the window. So mm-hmm. that was his reality. Wow, those pictures are, are precious. And I'm sure you have lots more stories, Sophie. We're going to pass around the Kleenex box and we'll be right back mm-hmm. right after this. Deep needs, deep hurts, spreading far beyond the government's ability to help. Children, single moms and dads, the elderly, disabled, the homeless. Yet, thousands of resources that can meet those needs are sitting right now in the pews and seats of our churches. The challenge? Activating those resources and connecting them with the people in need. We have a proven solution, advancing vibrant communities. We bridge the gap. We connect people and churches with opportunities to serve the needs of their neighbors. Pure, simple, proven effective, advancing vibrant communities. What's our motivation? Jesus' command in Matthew 22:39, to love your neighbor as yourself. The church at large has a biblical mandate to serve the needs of the community. Advancing Vibrant Communities researches those needs, then finds volunteers with the skills and passions to meet those needs. The very first story that Mike told about AVC involves serving one of my church members whose needs I could not meet within my own community. And in that moment, God humbled me and asked me to open my heart and really listen. And as I saw the setup of the database, I realized that AVC is a wonderful partner with my own congregation. It helps us be more effective. This organization comes along and says, I'll do a lot of the groundwork and we'll discover the needs. And then those folks in your congregation who desire to be a part and who have these skills can volunteer. AVC partners with over 80 community and government agencies to help meet the needs of the city. We network with organizations like Habitat for Humanity, the American Red Cross, Salvation Army, the Area Agency on Aging, the School District, and the Police Department. Habitat and AVC is a perfect match in that we both have common missions of helping people get out of the four walls of the church, getting out into the community and helping others. 
AVC serves volunteers by finding ways for them to help others. AVC serves the needy through volunteer efforts with love, grace, mercy, and compassion. AVC serves churches by augmenting efforts to reach out and meet the needs of their neighbors. AVC serves businesses by helping create healthy neighborhoods, by connecting employees with opportunities to volunteer, and by providing opportunities to donate goods and services to legitimate needs in the community. Well, it works. And I, I, I believe that as in our companies, as being uh, formerly a businessman in, in, in Stanislaus County and, and uh, other counties in the state as, as, as well, that uh, our companies were only as, as successful as our weakest link. And I believe that to be the same case in our communities and in our cities, that we can only be as much as we're going to be based upon the capacity and the ability of others to participate at an increased level and quality of, of life. You know, some of us can do, donate a little money, some a little time, some one or the other or both. It really touched my heart that these strangers were interested in me and what I needed in my life. You know, it's not only hearing it, but it's seeing them and it's being there in person and seeing the, the need that they have and hopefully being able to do something about it. I will tell you, as you know, your chief of police in the city of Modesto, we need your help in the community making a difference. Volunteer, I know we can put you to work. And I, I promise you, if you get involved, you'll feel better. You'll be happier. How can we partner with you to meet the needs of our city? We ask you to consider monthly financial support and to help recruit more volunteers. Advancing vibrant communities, faith in action, pure, simple, proven effective, carrying out the biblical mandate to love our neighbors as ourselves. Thank you. And we're back with you on Lighthouse Live, Pastor Mike, Elaine, and our special guest, Karen Costner and Sophie Pettigrove from Community Housing and Shelter. Back with you live. Sophie, we were talking a, a little bit about the interesting juxtaposition in the school. Uh, to someone who may not know the backgrounds, it may just appear to be a classroom of children. But uh, in that classroom, there may be homeless children with housed children. And uh, it, is, uh, it is not up to the individual family, you know, to, to go it alone. It really takes a, uh, a community effort, partnerships, coalitions, uh, networks to, uh, to deal with that. Talk a little bit about the value of the community coming together to solve this problem that a lot of people may not even be aware of if, if they're not uh, aware of the individual stories. That's right, Pastor Mike, and thank you. I, I would like to share some some um, ideas with you. I, I know that I was mentioning earlier we tend to really get involved in our daily lives, you know, take the garbage out, go to work, pay the bills, get the groceries, and what we forget is that we're all in this together. And my child may be housed and may eat well and may get good grades and may have familial support. Um, and that same child is in a classroom with who knows how many other children who are experiencing homelessness. Um, that's, that's affecting everyone from the attention that that takes from the teacher to, um, the extra work, um, 
if we just all look at this issue as one that is affecting all of us across the board and we just take a moment to be present, just be present with one another, I think stepping out of ourselves and becoming one with our community is going to actually fit the bill because you can't unknow what you know. And if you know some little kid needs an apple or needs their own bed or needs some shoes, you can't pretend that you don't know that. And the only way you're going to know it is to get out of your own little world and step into the community and be very present. You know, I think one of the uh, things that, that we keep hitting for the faith-based community mm-hmm. is that we can't expect those issues to come to us and cross the threshold of a church office. We have to be out in the community mixing it up mm-hmm. and uh, being aware, just yes. being aware yes. of uh, where these pressure points are and then just allowing God to kick the door, door open yes. and uh, yeah. see what uh, we can all bring to the table. Right? That's yeah. right. That's right. Um, and if you have a couple extra bucks, you know, it's okay. Give them away. <laughs> You know, Um, and and again, no agency is going to take care of it, all of it. I think it's going to take agencies and people and residents. It's going to take everybody. Um, I mean, the definition of homelessness is where if you don't have a place to stay that you can call your own, even if you're living with your relatives, you're homeless. They can kick you out at any moment. Mm -hmm. You know, one of the most profound experiences I had with this art project was a little girl didn't draw with crayons. She got pieces of construction paper and she made a lovely design in the middle of which she colored, uh, whatever it was a just colored a space, but it was a square space. And I, for the life of me could not figure out what she had done. And I said, well, how, how is this, what, what does this mean to your perfect day? And she looked at me as if I was just, I don't know, on another planet. She said, it's my own window. Uh, I have mm. my own window. Mm. How <laughs> profound is that? You know, and so it's like, let's open our windows. Yes. Let's let the light in and take a look. <laughs> you know? Karen, uh, how can people get a hold of you if yes. they're interested in yes, yes. maybe volunteering, maybe supporting mm-hmm. you financially, or maybe they have a need, or maybe they're in Lower Slobovia listening to this. <laughs> I never know where One Lower those, Slobovia yeah. is. I don't is, either, but, but maybe there is. It's a... out there somewhere, <laughs> we'll I'm sure. We'll find out. Maybe uh, we'll get letters from there. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure we'll get cards and letters after <laughs> Anyway, uh, how can people, if they're maybe just interested in how do you do what you do, how can they get a hold of you? They can call our office. The the number is 209-527-0444, and they'll get their answers, hopefully. Um, They can, you know, we'd be glad to help them. They'll find out how to apply for their rental assistance and the various different programs that we have. Karen, do you need volunteers to help out? You know, we don't. We're working on a volunteer program, but until we really have everything in place, um, we don't have a lot lot of opportunity for volunteers at our offices. Um, We are going to be having a fundraiser in October, which we may need uh, volunteers for. And I trust and we'll you will let me know. We'll let you know. Okay. Yes. Um, so uh, we, but and at Laura's house, we have um, children there that are living there with their moms. And so we would have to be careful about background sure, checks and that kind sure. of stuff. You're doing an so incredible work We really there, haven't too. had a volunteer program in place that Sophie's tasked to, to get one going. So 
that will be coming in the future. <laughs> Just uh, get that phone number, friends, if you're interested. 209-527-0444. That's 209-527-0444. Karen, how may we uh, hold you and, and the... Uh the agency there in prayer and just uh, what what might we do to encourage uh, our listeners to uh, pray for you about well i i certainly um believe in the value of prayer in any way that people can support us that way we greatly appreciate well, our very best to you. And Sophie, how about you? Is there anything that uh, you I would ask, to encourage? I would ask that we are guided, we are led um, to to providing as much as we could provide to help as much as we could help. I would also ask for prosperity in terms of donations so that we can use those donations for our families and our moms and the kids we meet. All right. Well, again, we want to thank you, ladies, for sharing your time with us here tonight on Lighthouse Live. And thank you, dear friends, wherever you may happen to be listening, for joining in. Again, thank you, and join us next time. May God continue to bless you.